This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Jackson's there, Billy did. The goal, Chris Billy Huddersfield Town. The most famous goal of Chris Billy's life. Is this the moment for Lee Fowler? It is. Take your place in Division 2. Huddersfield. Oi. Thank you. Champion Steve Simonson's boots now. He's missed. Steve Simonson clears the frame of the goal and collapses in a heap of tears. Huddersfield Town are promoted. Christopher Schindler. A chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend. And he takes that chance! This is the greatest and best pod in the world. Tribute. A long time ago, me and my brother Johnny here, we were podcasting on a long and lonesome night. All of a sudden, there shined Danny Karan in the middle of the pod. And he said, Welcome to episode 155 of the Andy Takes That Chance podcast. Uh, episodes in defeat are about as welcome as a return of Jeremy the Whopper with the Whistle Simpson. Uh, and we're a little bit short on numbers this week. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Guys, if you're not going to watch the games, you won't be on my podcast. I'm no here to be anyone's friend. There's that, and also, to tell the truth, I ballsed up massively yesterday. So we had ready to go Danny Curran, who was excellent, as always, on the podcast. And I queued up Richard Cosmile as Mark Fotheringham impression into Wirecast. And for some reason, Wirecast has decided to loop Cosy's uh, wonderful impression for 65 minutes over the podcast. So here we are again, recording for take two. Johnny, hello. Uh, a good place to start, hello. I think would be Mike Fotheringham's presser last week. Um, we talked about it on the podcast last week and things like this are a sort of catnip, aren't they, to um, Huddersfield fans. You know, you talk, you know, you've got Mike Fotheringham talking about what it means to be, you know, to pull on a Huddersfield Town shirt. All these little sound bites which get fans excited, don't they? Um, the only sort of angle that wasn't covered last week was what sort of... Uh, impression this could leave on senior players because uh, obviously Mark Fotheringham we'll probably talk about in a little bit is is obviously not the most experienced of head coaches he's done little bits hasn't he and little bits as assistant and learnt from some of the best as he'd, as he'd say uh, but how would um, just, just throwing this out there to you how do you think sort of some of the senior pros maybe thought about um, him not so much hanging individuals out to dry but um you know, he was quite adamant, wasn't he, that if you uh, if you coast, you're not going to play, you know, my team. And yeah. and it doesn't take an idiot, does it, to put two and two together and start coming up with names? No, it doesn't. Um, I think I think he's fortunate in the fact that the senior players that he's got in the squad um, are all quite of the old school football and mould. Do you know what I mean? They are. You look at the Tom Lees, um, Johnny Hoggs, Danny Wards, um John Rose to a certain extent, and I kind of probably throw Matty Pearson into there as well. Um, 
they are kind of the work hard, um, put the time in, put the effort in. I mean, live and die on the pitch once you cross the white line. That, that's it type of players. Even John Rhodes is slightly, slightly different to it. Well, very different to a Johnny Hogg. He's still, Johnny, he's a manager's dream. Everyone who speaks so highly of him. And I think kind of what Fotheringham's demanding, they will naturally give, which I think is is lucky for Fotheringham because you're quite right. Certain senior players who don't necessarily want an easy ride, but probably aren't or can't maybe put 100% in um for every single training session, five days a week, and might just want to take a little bit of time off, um, not off the pitch, but just time off and giving 100%, might start to kind of butt heads with that a little bit or maybe disagree with it. Um, there's certainly players that have been senior players, I just feel in the past, um, through different managers who've had a similar approach that have bombed out the squad and it's the last we've seen of them. Um, so it can sometimes be difficult. There's not a lot of years in between some of these players and Frothingham as well. Um, and without being... Um, a major player, I mean, like like a big name player-wise and not too many um, years of coaching under his belt as well. Sometimes that can, um, sometimes it, it lacks a bit of credibility to come in and make big decisions and big statements. But I think he's fortunate with the players that he does have at the football club, that those players in question are probably the types of players that actually look quite like that and will, will probably be wanting to demand that of the players. I know it's his com- press conference, Potentially post-match or pre-match, um, Rotherham actually mentions by name Johnny Hogg and certainly Matty Pearson being a big part of um, being a big part of of the team at the moment. He's having one-on-one meetings with them and asking them what the thoughts are. Um, so obviously he values those um, older pros as well. So I think for the time being it, it will be okay. I think do you know what there's there's a couple of younger lads who might need to learn a little bit from the old pros. I think they'll be on board with his message. Personally, he's also because obviously we're re-recording this, and he's mentioned in his press conference this morning that anybody who makes individual errors leading to goals is going to get dropped as well. So that there's there's a few sort of harsh uh, harsh truths coming from from Mark Father at the minute, and maybe is, maybe the squad needed this. Yeah. Maybe the squad needed. But yeah, I, I think he might also need to be a little bit careful on in not alienating some members as well, because there's there's two ways to go about it, isn't there? There's there's the Danny Schofield approach of trying to be too, he seemed to be too nice, I think, and, and too laid back maybe. And mm. maybe Mark Fotheringham's coming the other way with a, <clears throat> a sledgehammer behind the scenes. We don't know because, you know, obviously we don't see what's going on inside, do we? But there's certainly a couple of different approaches we've seen from Mark Fotheringham so far, which has given us um, an insight into maybe the character that he is. Uh, but let's talk about the game because I just thought, found that was interesting. I don't, I don't think there's anything right or wrong yet on that, but. You could see it backfiring, but you can also see it working. So I'm just kind of sat back, as as football fans do. You know, we just kind of sat back and, you know, if it works, we'll say well done. If it doesn't, we'll tell him he's a whopper. You know, that's that's the, that's what we do, isn't it? Uh, but it's interesting, and it'll be uh, an interesting ride. But let's talk about the game, Johnny. You were there in the away end. Uh, Town made quite a, a semi-decent start, didn't they, to this 3-5-2 um, system. Um, two strikers. Up front, uh, Wards and Road, uh, Dwayne just behind. Um, and Town looked to hit on the counter, looked to soak up those diagonals and then break out through um, one of the strikers had come short and play sobering around the corner, wouldn't they? Um, and then a bit of inexperience, if you like, from David Kasumu. I know he's 23 and played 100 games, but he's, he's dw- he sort of dwelled on the ball, hasn't he? Found himself tackled. It's a good tackle. And then Tom Lees has maybe just for a split second found himself uh, ball watching in the in the back three, and he's drawn a little bit to watching the ball, isn't he? And and that just that's all Connor Washington's needed just to peel off him and and Dan Barlaser, um, Barlaser, Barlaser, Barlaser sounds much better, doesn't it? You know, especially with he's such a good passer. Sounds more fierce. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to call him Barlaser from now on. But you know, he finds Connor Washington who sticks that in the top corner, and no keeper in the world's going to save that, are they? It's, Frustrating start, isn't it? Yeah, it is because I thought. Um, I mean, we weren't we weren't incredible, but I thought we started relatively well. Um, we did try to control the game a little bit. We were a little bit um, careful with our passes, passed it on the back in, in a positive way. Seemed to be Nakayama was a bit bit more of the out ball, um, looking to get into Rose's feet. We were playing to the midfield pair, Kamara Kasumu or, or, or Turner looked to, to play it to more than likely. Um, Thomas himself, but a few times that worked. Um, we see these before the game. We see them looking to move 
um, move the ball quickly before they start a game. I know we touched on it before. And it, 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 yeah, it, that is working. Those quicker players are coming off. It's clearly working on the training field and that, that is coming into the game. So there were, there were some positives. We got him out a couple of times. Rhodes, Rhodes had a good chance, which, um, like I said, the ball was slightly further in front of him or he kind of got his foot around it. He probably would have done better on different days. So it was disappointing when the goal against came. Um, and again, it's just it's just those mistakes. It's just that bit of an experience maybe from Kasumu. Maybe trying to do the right thing, maybe trying to do what he's been told to do, which is find the pass. But for me, in those situations, it's reading the danger and getting rid of the ball. And then again, Lee's kind of a little bit caught. Maybe he's trying to think, I could press and get there. But really, he kind of leaves a gap then, which Washington uh, finds. And like you said, no, it's a good it's a good finish. And I think that's his first goal in quite a while, actually. doesn't look it because it's it August looks quite um, assured. 13th. Yeah, an assured finish. And Nichols has got no chance. But... The good thing, the positives to take out of it is that we don't we don't fall into the trap of teams. Do you know what I mean? Second bottom, and, well, that's it. That's the game over. We do actually go keep pressing and, and get a goal back quite quickly, which is obviously um, positive. But yeah, there were good positives from that start. Um, I, it's just a shame that a little bit of lack of concentration, a little bit of experience cost us um, really in, in, in those first 20, 20, 25 minutes. Like you say as well, it's a, it's a good response from Huddersfield Town. A, a lot of teams at the bottom do start sulking, don't they? And the shoulders start sloping. I think I watched mm. a little bit of Hull against Birmingham, and Hull are in a real rut at the minute. And you know, as soon as things go wrong there, they really sort of go off the boil. But we didn't. Um, Sauber Thomas, uh, you know, with a free kick gets deflected over. Um, I always find it really strange. Gary Roberts as well. I used to, I, fi- I find it really strange when. People like Sauber Thomas and Gary Roberts can take corners and they can put it on somebody's eyebrow, you know, from from the corner flag, pretty much perfectly. But they can never sort of strike a free kick on target. I don't think I've seen Sauber put one on target yet. And Gary Roberts never. Do you did, think it should be a lot easier? Yeah, lot easier be, I'm sure to, he'll get there. Yeah. I'm sure he'll get there. It's just a funny quirk, isn't it? Um, but mm. Sauber Thomas then, um, excellent corner. Another assist for him. He's he's, he's yeah. playing himself right back into form at the minute and. There's a lot of effort going in with Sauber as well, which is great at the minute. His ball to the near post. Um, as you said yesterday on take one of the podcast, it's a, a carbon copy almost of the Nottingham Forest situation where Danny Ward went far post with that time and it got blocked. This time it goes near post and it's a well-worked goal, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's good to see. I mean, straight off the training ground, um, Fotheringham said that. He said that Narcissus had recognised how they defend set pieces and has come up with a way to try and... Um, counter that and, and it's obviously coming to fruition which is good to see so it's good that the training ground is reflected on the pitch obviously all the players listening to what they've been asked to do but yeah it, it, it was a good goal um, good finish by Danny Ward again another great assist from, from Sauber but it's nice to see we've, done, we've, still, we've still got something um, from last season which is uh, a danger from, from set pieces especially corners yeah, we've we've not really. Uh, I'm trying to think. We've not have we scored f- from open play really with Mark Fotheringham? I'm trying to remember the two Hull goals. Um, two goals against Hull. Obviously, remember. Yeah, it depends. Very, very yeah, it depends, <laughs> depends <laughs> Just depends trying to think of them. There's like phases out there of set paces. Far, as well. Yeah, it depends how far you go back, Jimmy, or how far you go along before you call it kind of open play, really. Because I mean, Helix goal isn't really. It's kind of phase two it's or phase, phase three, two. isn't it? So. Yeah. And the I'll and Kamara was also a little bit. Well, I suppose Kamara, you can give that more open play, can't you? But, yeah, I'd yeah. say that was more open play. Yeah, which is fine. Uh, but yes, I think Towns attacking from open play is, is certainly something for debate at the minute. And the the XG mm-hmm. wasn't particularly good, was it, on the day? You know, uh, an XG of 0.4. Just over one, I think. I've got. Oh, was it? I thought it was on, just, inf- yeah. I've I've gone with Infogol. Uh, Infogol and who scored might be different, but they've got them at 0.47. No, Rotherham's just over one on the day. Uh, which is surprising, mm. given uh, given some of the chances and some of the way that and the way that Mark Fotheringham talked about some of the chances that we had um, in the press conference afterwards. He and I agree with him to a point from rewatching it back as well. The, the game swung really at one all, didn't it? Before Rotherham got the second, and Town were maybe in the ascendancy at this point. Sauber Thomas was at his best down the right hand side. He's rinsed Lee Peltier a couple of times. Cosy pre match was just like, get Lee Peltier, get Lee Peltier. He's 100 years old, etc., wasn't he? And Sauber's done that, and he's put a great ball in. Danny Ward's missed it. There's one in the first half, isn't the way he's put a ball across. Jordan Rhodes has gone for 
a kind of flick, hasn't he? Like uh, Ivan Tony scored yeah. last week. He's obviously been watching his Premier League highlights and he just got a bit too heavy-footed with it, didn't he? And got it stuck under his feet, which was unfortunate. Uh, Jordan Rhodes has a goal disallowed, which I think comes to make it possibly too old, doesn't he, at that point? I can't remember. Uh, yeah. But Dwayne Holmes also on the follow-up from that Danny Ward chance where Danny Ward just fails to attempt it. And I do get where Matt Fotheringham is coming from because Town got themselves in some promising situations and some promising positions and Sauber's put some dangerous balls in, but it's just either not falling for us or the finish is off or the timing of the run in Jordan Rhodes' case uh, slightly off as well. But mm-hmm. I've, I've seen a lot of feedback and and to be honest, in the aftermath of a game, nobody's, to, to coin another Mark Fotheringham word, you know, another bingo word, clarity. clarity. Nobody's got the most clarity just after the game. Everybody's talking with emotion and they're upset or they're overly happy, etc. aren't they, immediately after the game. But yeah. I think a lot of people after the game were saying, oh, Rotherham deserved this, they were miles better than us, we were absolutely useless. And I don't really buy into that. Now, I think when we'd lost, I was pretty in a pretty bad mood. <laughs> but now we've had a couple of days to reflect on it. I, I genuinely think it's this period of the game which has determined the winner. And and Town are, are sort of in the ascendancy at this point, and we failed to score. If we if we go two one up, I think we win the game and we deserve it, but we don't. And it and that is just typical of two championship teams toughing it out. We didn't look like a a useless relegation outfit by any stretch. We didn't look a great outfit either. It, we just looked like one of those teams who has games like this, and sometimes they'll grab a goal and win it, and sometimes we'll, we won't and we'll lose. And and. You know, I think Fotheringham's four games in charge so far are very sort of hit and missy mid-table kind of affairs, if you like, lower mid-table. And that's the way I saw it, really. And, and, you know, and Town obviously didn't take those chances and Rotherham went up the other end and we'll talk about their goal in a second. But I thought Fotheringham's um, uh, uh, analysis was pretty accurate, to be honest. Yeah, um, I'm a bit like you. I was in the car on the way home for the following him into and he kind of made a couple of points about saying about the chances we created and I instantly was thinking oh what what chances there were any I mean coming through the lens of a, a team that's second bottom it's like you say if we're ninth you go away a bit frustrated and well we probably should have won that or probably could have won that we haven't rather than I mean or also had their own chances let's not forget um but okay we move on because we're sat second bottom everything's seems worse. Everything like everything's through the lens of being second bottom. But when you actually review the game and watch so many extended highlights, there are good chances. And following talks a lot more around we we talked about this again last night, but situations to score over. It wasn't the fact that we had four or five shots on target that were all saved by a fantastic keeper. But there were chances created there where, like I say, on another day the ball's a little bit further in front of Rhodes and he gets a good shot off or in the road the ball's still reasonable to Rhodes and he kinda of, he does a little bit better. The ball into Danny Wards, again, near front pros, get a touch on that. It, it goes in, no keepers stopping that. Um, and again, Rhodes is unlucky to, to, to come offside, but also I think, um, once again, I think Ben Jackson, I don't know, but it looks like he's kind of screaming to Rhodes to leave it because he actually follows up as well. Um, and he can almost like go It's amazing like how quickly he of, got to that, considering there are about six players yeah, between him really and Yeah, really quickly. So, and, and that's the thing, it's like, were, were we ever in that game to, to win it? Well, Yes, we were. Uh, and it's just, it's the way it goes sometimes. And I think because we are where we are and we do need points, we can't keep saying, oh, it's nice to have had chances to potentially win a game. Absolutely. But look at the game in isolation and how long Fotheringham's been in tenure and to kind of address that and look at that as a situation, we, we still are getting better. Uh, and I think if you evaluate that away game, because away games is, is, is something we've really struggled with this season, versus the Reading game, then there is a significant change, a significant improvement. Um, so, yeah, you can kind of see where it's coming from if you look at it from that way and really kind of assess it and try and just remove the situation um, that we're currently in. So if we see a similar step change to our next away game, then ho- hopefully we kind of those kind of chances more convert into into goals and more clear-cut chances and we'll continue to see improvement alongside cutting out errors, cutting out mistakes and cutting out... Um, goals that probably shouldn't be happening as well which is obviously key to that yeah and let's let's talk about the goal which probably shouldn't have happened and that's uh rotherham's well rotherham's first shouldn't really have happened but rotherham's second probably shouldn't either and do you know what 
there's probably a Rotherham podcast going somewhere. Oh, we need to defend a set piece better, and we shouldn't have conceded to Huddersfield. So you know, it kind of works both ways. But uh, it was kind of like classic championship, wasn't it? In that Rotherham, you know, you don't take your chances and you you pay the price kind of thing, wasn't it? And it's not a good goal to concede. And I think initially, me, me, you, and Danny yesterday were looking at the goal and we were like, oh. Why is he yet? No, is Nakayama marking Wood? Wood's their main aerial yeah. presence. You know, what on earth is going on there? And you watch it again, and you watch it again and again, like we did, because we're a bit nerdy like that. And it's actually quite clever from Rotherham in some ways. And the reason why it's clever is because they have the free kick. Dwayne Holmes, it's a silly tackle, gets booked, and he, you know, and he goes off having a go at Ben Jackson. And, and really, Dwayne's lost his head there and shouldn't really be lunging in like that. Um, but there's still a situation then that you have to defend. So, you know, I'm not saying that's Dwayne's fault by any stretch. But, you know, Rotherham have got this free kick and Huddersfield look like they're going man for man on a lot of the Rotherham players, which is understandable. But what happens is Rotherham move the ball wide uh, and then it eventually it gets worked back to Barlazer. And I'm sticking with Barlazer. And then he puts the ball back in. And at this, at this moment, because Rotherham has switched play, if you like, Town seem to have reverted from man-to-man marking to a more zonal system. You see Tom Lees drops down into an area where people are going, what's Tom Lees doing there, marking nobody? Mm. And then Helix quite central, and then Nakayama's on the left. So they've gone back into the shape. And there's more of an argument really here, not so much about someone should be marking that, but at what point do you shift between zonal and, and man-marking, and you know how fluidly do you do this? And, the ball, and, and if you watch the run from Wood, firstly... Wood is on, I think he's on like between Kamara and Helic. They seem to have him, which is fine. That's understandable. He put two big guys who are 6-3 on him and that's, you know, should be dealt with. But what Wood does is he kind of moves away and he then he sits on the shoulder of Helic but peels onto Nakayama, who's the weakest of our three defenders in the air. So Nakayama then has to pick Wood up in the zonal system and George Kelly, who's come on, uh, is with Helic. But then he moves out as another runner comes, you know, a second runner comes in. So Helic, being the one who senses the danger in the middle, picks up the second runner into the six-yard box. Lees is, is zonal on the right-hand side, which then leaves nobody marking Kelly because he's gone out and back in. And it's not exactly Barcelona-style technical football. It's quite basic, but it's clever from Rotherham. Uh, they've uh, We've obviously switched off. Kasumu should really deal with the cross. I know he's not six-foot-plus, but you'd expect or you'd hope David Kasumo gets a touch on that and then it goes out for a corner and you reset. But when the ball comes over, Wood beats Nakayama. Nakayama's not going to beat Wood in a tussle. It's just not happening, uh, especially as he's still getting to grips with the physical aspects of the championship, which he admitted himself last week uh, in the presser. Mm. Wood heads it down. Kelly's unmarked. Unfortunately, he doesn't handball it. It's chest. It's fine. And then he sticks it in the back of the net, rather than 2-1 up and go on to win the game. And, it's difficult to point fingers at individuals for me on this rather than town have, you know, Mark Fo- this is something Mark Fotherham is going to have to sort of look at because I, I, I initially I looked back at the Reading game and I thought this is like Reading again where Radoni's marking the centre-back and he heads it in and Jordan Rhodes is on the post. You know, it's it's a silly, it's, it's an organisation thing. But it's actually evolved a little bit so you can see the improvements we've made. It's just that this next point is in the second and third phases. Do you stick man-to-man or do you flick zonal and... Uh, that's another decision, isn't it, that Mark Fotherham's got to make, really. And the key things like this and key errors are, are what, you know, and stamping them out is really what's going to keep us in this league and what's going to relegate us. Yeah, it is. Like I say, from taking the time to review it later down the line and review it a couple of times, it is the fact it, that is that is correct. What you're saying is correct. It's, it's then, like you say, without having the luxury of knowing what... Um, the tactical game plan is for set pieces. It's hard to know who, who's to blame. Like I say, it, 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 it's are we is it because a couple of players look like they're kind of sticking man to man. A couple of players look like they've dropped back into a zonal system. Who's who's wrong or who's right? And that we just know it's not so it worked. And I think with a bit more time, or like obviously reviewing that and having luxury to use that to to improve going forward and improve set pieces in other games will, will help but it's something that town have got to look at and, and get sorted quickly um, like I said things like that weren't happening last season now we've had a significant personnel change on and off the field so okay fair enough um, but it does need to get looked at because quite quickly teams will 
if they're not already looking to target that and looking to target second phase, third, third, third phase. Like I said, what Rotherham did wasn't anything too too clever, too incredible, but it, it it's worked. Um, but the other thing for me is I'd say throughout the entire game, the amount of times that players were able to get crosses in, um, which is far too easy. And again, before we even look at what's happening inside the box for that second goal, we've got three on three outside the box. Um, and just before the ball comes in, the ball goes over to the corner flag. And the two players that are marking the guy who ultimately puts the ball in actually follow the ball. So the guy just plays it back away from the corner flag. And that when, that's when the ball gets whipped in and that's ultimately when everything starts to go wrong. So it's even it's even basics before then that two, two players run into one man. I mean, I'm sure your little lad won't do that. That's absolutely, I mean, absolutely schoolboy, two players to one man in that situation, leaving a, leaving a player. So it's just everyone just getting back to basics and not not making these mistakes. And to go on to what we were saying at the start, the point of Fotheringham saying, if you make mistakes, you're all getting my team. Sometimes a little bit of pressure um, doesn't always help. Um, and I think sometimes players can lose their heads and lose their abilities by feeling too much pressure and getting too anxious about things. And I, I do worry about if they've got that in the back of my thing, well, I make a mistake today, that's it, that's me dropped. It might not help. But yeah, it's situations around that which last season we probably win that game 1 0, 2 0, because we don't make those mistakes. Um, whereas this season we've made those mistakes. And as Cosy said, if we keep conceding two goals every every game, we're not going to get many points and we'll be more coming Fleetwood. I said he's booking his, uh, his holidays next season. But yeah, it's something that needs to get looked at, something that needs to address. But it is interesting to look at the more intricacies of it. Um, so I mean, the cold light of day and where where things did go wrong. Uh, we'll start whizzing through some of this now because we're you know, finishing off the game and we've got to do school runs, etc., haven't we? But um, one thing I, I posed last night and I'll pose it again very quickly is, do you think there's a certain attacking innocence around Mark Fotheringham? I said sort of naivety, didn't I, last night? And I don't really think it's naivety as such, but he's you know he's constantly talking about making sure he gets as many offensive players on the pitch as possible at all times. You know, he's talking about two strikers and then he's talking about Conor Mahoney, Dwayne Holmes, etc. Sorber Thomas. Do you think to a certain point he's maybe bringing, you know, when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cosy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium, you're right near the pitch, great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mentioned this last night, but bringing a lemon to a knife fight in some ways, you know, a great song by the Wombats. And the problem is, if you've got, if you're trying to go attacker versus attacker and you don't have the best attack in the league, you're putting a lot of pressure on that defense. And we saw Carlos Corbran last year was all about the defensive structure and the defensive shape. And Mark Fotheringham seems to prefer a more expansive balance, if you like. Uh, but if you're going away from home against anyone in the championship and you're missing chances and you're leaving your back door unbolted, you're probably going to lose the game. And if you're in the bottom three, sometimes you need to protect what you've got. I know Huddersfield fans won't like to hear a sticking 11 men behind the ball against Rotherham to win a point, etc. A lot of them won't accept that and that's understandable. But to another point, we need as many points as we can. I'm talking point, point, point here, aren't I? But we need the points. We need a point at Rotherham. We need a win here. We need to scrape yeah. things. It's got to a point I can't stop saying point, <laughs> but it's got to a stage now where it doesn't, performances don't matter. We just need to make sure we're going no. upwards rather than sort of saying, oh, we'll work on it next week because that's not going to be good enough before too long. No, well, not to labour the point, but um, yeah, Corbyn was far more pragmatic and he was far more risk averse. Um, be that his tactical philosophy or be that looking at what he's got um, to use his tools his players and, and designing a, a method that will work 
Um, probably more the latter, to be honest. But it, 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 it did work. And I think, yeah, I think town fans on paper would love to see far more expansive um, attacking football, like the Burnleys of this league, who have, I mean, have, have completely changed the way they play overnight. But it's then looking at the resources that you've got. Um, now, we do have attacking players. But ultimately, have we got enough attacking players that are going to get two or three goals? Because I think as this, as this, if this squad plays this way, it's going to need two or three goals to, to win a game. Because ultimately, the, the depth of quality that we've got in midfield and defensively at the moment isn't probably good enough to, to shore that out. Slightly lower on numbers as they were to last year. It, so I think it's just recognising where we are, what we need. Um, we do need points. But also, going back to the point around potential naivety uh, or innocence, um, Danny made a great point um, when, we, when we recorded last night, and I'll kind of just um, share it today, is the fact that in the Championship, sometimes you can be successful by just being harder, stronger, nastier, um, harder to beat. Um, and maybe that's something that um, Fothering hasn't really necessarily come across in his coaching or managerial experience so far. I know the German Bundesliga is, is a little bit different, I think it's it's a bit more kind of tactical or um, how you play or attacking a nicer football. I mean, there is elements of that in the championship, but I think very much it's been a bit more, a bit bit bit, bit more pointed, a bit more nous about you um, understanding that, understanding how Rotherham's going to play, and trying to be attacking, being attacking players on against Rotherham isn't necessarily the right way to go. Like you say, we might not like that. We might not like to kind of shit house the result as such, but sometimes it is the way it goes, and I think. Corbyn kind of got that, um, but he didn't get that straight away. It even took him time to get that, but he did get that eventually. And I do believe following will will kind of develop and change. But I do think there is a little bit of innocence there around what the champions championship is and what some of these teams will will come and do and how successful it, it will be. Yeah, so we've got we. Whenever I don't have a proper agenda, I always go to Twitter and ask for questions. And we've got a couple that come through. And the first one I've, I've noted down is where Guy Bradley says, can we sort this awful defending out before it's too late? And I think that just links in nicely to what we've been saying in that, you know, it, the more open you become. And, the, and Mark Fotheringham talks about distances quite a lot rather than numbers, doesn't he? In terms of formation numbers and distances between players. And maybe there's too much distance at the minute between players because we are conceding goals, you know, to... I know Hull didn't score against us, but they could have done. Esther Pienan had a great chance, didn't he? And I yeah. think Nichols made a couple of good saves as well. Hull easily could have had a couple on another day. Um, three against Luton, a couple against Reading, a couple yesterday, uh, Saturday. Um, I think there's, there needs to be somewhat of a, a reining back of his attacking instincts, I think, at, at some stage. And we need to sort of maybe counter a little bit more and stay solid out of, out of possession. But I'm sure things will start to sort themselves out the more time he has on the on the training pitch and we can't really not talk about the game a game refereed by Jeremy Simpson and any controversy we, we look back at you know previous notable performances by the whopper with the whistle you look at Blackpool last year where Gary Medine elbows Tom Lees almost knocks him out and he plays on and, and tells Tom Lees to get up the penalties you mentioned yesterday against Hull, you know, the, the yeah. ones inside the box and the volleyball-style handball by Jacob Greaves. Me frothing five years ago away at Preston as Jordan Hugel elbowed Schindler three times without even conceding a free kick, which was scandalous back then. Um, we've lost 10 out of the 16 games he's refereed, 1-4. So I, I don't think it's... I don't think he's consciously biased or unconsciously biased. I just think he's a terrible referee. And what we saw on Saturday was just another terrible decision by the worst referee in the Football League. And that's a stonewall penalty. I don't think we need to discuss it that much, do we? I think it's hard in the no. defender. Gets caught. Ridoni gets in front of him and gets his leg tangled between him as he's about to shoot. It's a booking penalty and a chance to draw the game, which is probably a fair result. And it gets taken away from us by a complete Burke, to be blunt. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I say, it just adds to the fact that um, there were those chances. We should have had a penalty. Um, so, again, it, it, it's a couple of um, strings to following his point, I guess, uh, what he's making earlier in his press conference. But it's all around, it's all around the game. Jeremy Simpson was poor. Um, on both sides, there were fouls that town players committed that just weren't given, weren't even looked at. And then he blew for things which weren't even a foul. And the players look around thinking, what's he even blown for? So, 
you can be you, you can get away with being consistently bad um, you don't really necessarily notice that but when he, he's consistently bad consistently all over the place it, it, it just and you can see players actually getting visibly annoyed and uh, because it was it was that poor but we've just come to in a way come to accept and expect that of Jeremy Simpson and let's just hope he slides down the ladder but unfortunately seeing more and more championship season championship referees are last season in the Premier League I think he's only going to go higher and higher unfortunately but yeah it's not great if not only great everybody was as good as the Madley brothers good solid lads then town <laughs> fans um, yeah so we'll move on um, this is town's worst start to a season for 25 years away from home uh, with six not winning in six games. James Whitaker says, how worried should we be about our awful away form? I I think a couple of tweaks and it's going to improve, but it's just whether Fotheringham wants to make those tweaks at the minute, really. Um, but we'll see. Um, there's some, perhaps there's some games coming up where we could get things from, but we'll have to wait and see on that one. I'm slightly worried about the form in general and being 23rd and Coventry being having a couple of games in hand and a win and, and a good win away from overtaking us. That that is concerning for me. And I think what's really concerning yeah. is that we've lost to Blackpool, Wigan, um and Rotherham, three sides that I thought would be down there in, in the bottom three, uh, or around the bottom three and that is uh concerning. Um so but we'll have to give Mark Fotheringham some time. He can't change everything after four games. And that leads on to the next one as well, which has come through from Bridlejuice Springsteen. Uh, and he says, based on his first four games, do you think Mark Fotheringham will do better post-World Cup when he's had more time to work with the players? And the answer to that, I think, is yes, providing he doesn't piss everybody off by then <laughs> in the press conferences. Yeah. So, um, yes, yeah, so I, I, I am worried about our form, but I'm hopeful that, given time, he can arrest it. I think we're quite lucky that we're in a season that we are clearly struggling. And you make a point about what point you start to worry. But I think it's also recognising that where we are now means that for the next however many games we've got left, we need to win two or three or four games more than other teams. When you look at it like that, so we need to win two or three games more than Middlesbrough, two or three games more than West Brom. It's not just been, oh, we're only six points behind, that's only two games. It doesn't work like that. Teams will accrue points as we accrue points. But it's the fact that we need to accrue points more than other teams. And that's when it starts to become a bit worrying. But we are fortunate that we do have effectively a close season in the middle of the season or uh, roughly around halfway where how many times have we seen teams finish season really well have do I mean, have an off season go back into pre-season start completely different to us we've kind of done that so let's hope that we can use that time and um, we will use that time we're quite lucky to have it because it'll give us that break to opportunity to reset get some coaching do a mini pre-season I'm absolutely adamant that Fotheringham will have him working every single hour of every single day. Christmas Day, in that won't time. Yeah, maybe not in this country with a bit of warm weather, but certainly I think Christmas Day is the only day they'll have off. But they need it. But we're quite fortunate we've got that time because other seasons, that's not existed for teams. So it, it, it's in our gift to use that. I think we will use that and hopefully we will come out the other side. And like Brady says, I think we will do purely because we, we've got no option to. Um, so we're quite lucky we do have that window of time in reality. And also, the January window is probably not as far away as it seems. I think um, we've got an owner, I think, who will push the boat out to try and keep us up, hopefully, uh, whether that's with a couple of loans or not, I'm not sure. But look, we'll, I think there's a question on that quite shortly. The next question is from Lee Oates, and he says, do you think we've? Uh, do you think that we've never replaced Lewis O'Brien? We have players in midfield that have a lot of potential but are not consistent at this level yet. And do we have time to throw these players in? We need players that are ready now, need an experienced ball-playing central midfielder in January. Um, I thought we were never going to be able to replace Lewis O'Brien, and you know, in particular, the it's the dribbling stats and the second ball win duels uh, that is just phenomenal. At Kasumu, you can half replace some of that, um, and Kamara to a point, you know, with a lot of duels that they win. But nobody can then pick the ball up on the edge of the box and dribble to the edge of the opponent's box. It's you know, he, his <laughs> dribbling skills was unbelievable last year, off the scale. You know, he was. I think 60 ahead of the next central midfielder for dribbles to the box. It was something like 90-odd to the next Next one was 30, and it just shows how far away he was, one of the best midfielders in the division at what he did. And we were never going to replace that unless we spent £10 million on a midfielder. So I was hopeful that we would then um, replace the blend in midfield because I, I felt last year that we didn't quite have the right 
blend and function together. I felt like Lewis carried it a lot. Um, but I don't really think we've done that either. I think we've got out on... Most of my criticism of our January recruitment is that a lot of it seems to be based on players that will be good in 12 to 18 months, maybe 24 months, and we've neglected the here and now a little bit. Um, John Russell struggling, which was always going to happen, to be honest, if we went from a defensive Carlos Corbrand's shape system where he's quite well protected um, by, we'll go about distance, we'll talk about fathering, we'll go distances again. And if you open up and go expansive and people have room to manoeuvre around John Russell, he's going to struggle because, you know, mobility is not his strength at all. So do we have the right blend in midfield? No, we've been crying out for a ball-playing central midfielder since Aaron Moy left and we were never going to replace Aaron Moy, but there's a man playing for Rotherham on Saturday who I thought was excellent, who I really wanted us to go out and spend money on in the summer and it just didn't happen. Um, how much Rotherham would want and how much we could spend, I don't know. But there's like likes of him and Cameron Brannigan. Um, I think Cameron Brannigan had a, a release clause for 750 grand in the summer, but he's since signed a new contract. And you know somebody like him from Oxford would have been uh, fantastic. Um, but yeah, I think we do lack a, a ball-playing central midfielder and to rectify that in January is going to be a real struggle. I love Kamara and Kasumu as a combo. I think it's great. Uh, ahead of them, Radoni hasn't quite done it for me yet. I know he's won the Blue and White Foundation Player of the Month, but I've not been quite as impressed as a lot of others. I think there's a lot of potential there, but I don't think he's really made a telling contribution in the final third yet. Uh, you know, no goals, no assists, key passes, not really very high, and that's what you want him to do. But he has been shunted back to play eight rather than ten, so there are mitigating factors there. Um and the other question we had from Hannah Carr as well is where does Hogg fit into Fotheringham's lineup once he's back fit? And for me, Hoggy can play a role. That Rotherham game was a very Jonathan Hogg game, wasn't it? You need Hoggy in there for the games like that. And I think Hoggy can be used sparingly, can be used as much and as little as you like in the back three or in central midfield. And I think the good thing with Hoggy is he's got that experience and the plug and play ability if you like and I think he'll become quite key once he's fit where he's going to play I'm not sure because you can make an argument on a game by game basis and I think that might be what we do Johnny yeah no I agree um, I think like I say it's tough to replace so Brian we kind of touched on last night that you kind of see a little bit where the club might have thought well we've actually got we've got Kasumu who I mean we didn't really get to see because he got I mean, he, he kind of went off within five minutes of Burnley. And obviously kind of got Kamara, um, who's, who's kind of come on this season. Again, if, we, if we'd replaced or brought some other players, we might not have seen as much of him. But um, it kind of leads into that experience and the here for the ready, ready in now. And quite often with young players, maybe we're seeing this with Russell. We probably saw this with Thomas at the start of the season, though he's definitely turned it round. Um, and we might see it with Kamara as we move forward into the season that, Players will, of that age and that experience, all have kind of peaks and troughs. Um, similarly with, with Ben Jackson, you're not going to get someone who's going to play um, like Toffolo, who's kind of a seven or plus every single game because they are lacking experience and they will have ups and downs. Um, and I feel that's where we are a little bit short. And it kind of leads into another question that I know we, we touched on last night, which was um, the blooding of the young players. Now there are too many players being blooded at this point in time. Um, and we kind of said, really, that's on merit. Because the young players that have come in have actually been some of the better performances this season. But if we had a couple of more experienced pros and a couple more championship players, they probably won't be relied on too much. So as much as there are positives there, it's also recognising that consistency is probably the biggest area of weakness for a younger player. And having someone who can come in and do the job around them yeah, is is really crucial. And if you look at if Kamara drops off it a little bit and Jackson drops off it a little bit, then we are back to be really, really short. Um, and it's a gamble to rely on those players. As much as it's fantastic, they've got the, the, the pathway currently. So I do think bringing a bit more experience, a bit more nous, um, like a Johnny Hogg, who equally can't play the game for the opposite reasons, um, is is really key. Uh, so I think we are using one player as well, but equally around the transfer window, that is something that needs to be looked at and addressed to make sure we're not relying on them too much at this early stages of their careers, really. Yeah, there's two questions there that you've, you've answered, really. One was Joel Pollard, who says... Uh, where do you think Fotheringham will want to strengthen the January transfer window? And do we think he will look into the German market? Um, I'll quickly answer my point on that, which is the German market is going to be very difficult because of the new Brexit rules. Uh, so unless 
a German player becomes available who is playing in Bundesliga and not Bundesliga 2, it's going to be difficult to sign them due to the point system that's in place. So it's going to be difficult to get them, but they are attainable. And the Dutch league is of interest to town at the minute, so they are watching the Dutch league quite carefully. So um, I did look for goal scorers in the Dutch league the other day and no one's really banging any goals in who isn't playing for a top side. So maybe we won't unearth the next Joel Pirou, who knows. Um, But yeah, so... Striker, for me, is where we need to strengthen. If he's playing two up front, you can't play Jordan Rhodes and Danny Ward for the next 20-odd games. It's not going to It's not gonna happen. They'll break down. Um, the, I wouldn't call them injury-prone, but players the other side of 30, as we know from as I know from experience, do get more tweaks, tears, burnout than what somebody does younger. But we will get Simpson back at some point. Tino and Pat Jones will come back at a certain stage as well and can add to something up front or behind the striker. But I do think a striker and a ball playing midfielder are quite key. Um, and what also is key is getting that getting that defence settled and organised because that is really key to uh, to moving forward. And are we trying to blood too many young players? That came from Adam Bell. It's a difficult one because if you look at the Rotherham game in isolation and if you class Kasumu as a young player and if Hoggy's playing instead of David Kasumu, he doesn't make that mistake for the first goal. Unlike, oh, well, he, he's done that a lot as Hoggy. He's made that mistake, but he but he doesn't then throw himself in and get caught like Kasumu does. He, he, he assesses the situation and, and backs off. Um, and I, I think he also gets uh, something on the um, on the cross coming in uh, as well because Hoggy's actually quite decent in the air for his size. So, uh, and he probably notices the danger, but he doesn't have the speed of Kasumu. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't break the ball as well as Kasumu or get to the second balls as well. So there are, there are trade-offs and it's about getting the blend right, I think, as much as anything. I think Ben Jackson's doing really well on the left-hand side. I wouldn't drop him for anybody at the minute that we've got. Um, other young players, I'm trying to think of who else there is really. Kamara, I think Kamara's probably been our best central midfielder in the last few weeks. So, no, I don't think we are, but we do need to make sure that we can rely on the experienced players, your likes of Rhodes, Ward, Hoggy, Hellick, Lees, to do their job first and foremost. And I think if, if they're doing their job and organising properly, then I think the young players will fit in quite well around them and hopefully see a little bit more of Ken Kessler-Hayden as long as he's not taking his bat and ball home. Um, so, we'll, we'll, you know, there's, there's hopefully more things to come. Um, I think we've run out of time, Johnny, because uh, I need to go to, to pick the young one up from school. Um, but the last thing I thought we thought last night what would be quite interesting so it's Cosy who sparked this really by sending a random WhatsApp message to us in the group and you know what? I'm going to play it now um, and it's his Mark Fotheringham impression Mark Fotheringham If you don't do the training you'll not get in my team I don't care if you're Jordan Rhodes on the big money or Eddie and Kamara getting fucked if you don't do the training, you won't get in my team. So there you go. A um, little bit more Mrs. Doubtfire than Matt Fotheringham, I think. Um, a little bit ropey towards the end, but I thought it was quite decent, a decent effort. And we were talking to Danny last night and we thought, do you know what would be quite good? Is if we all do some kind of Matt Fotheringham impression and then Danny can, as the, the trained thespian of the group, could uh, could sort of say which one's the best and maybe we'll have a competition of sorts and Johnny yesterday you peaked with yours didn't you I don't know if you can repeat yesterday's uh antics. yeah accents accents at my strong point but by all accounts it was quite good last night so when the recording failed I was a little bit um good devastated time. really but I will I will give it another go the 12 hours of uh time haven't helped me practice anymore but listen if you're done put 100% done I messed that up I'll go again Listen, you only play for me if you don't put 100% on the training field. That's not bad. That is that is definitely Sir Alex Ferguson. It was better style, yesterday. It? It's not bad. Not it's just a tribute. Obviously, <laughs> very good. And you heard mine at the start. So um, I, I would like it if people send their um, send their terrible Mark Fothering impressions into us. And what we'll do is we'll get Danny to judge who's done the best. I think this this has got legs. And, and I, I hope Mark Fotheringham does and doesn't listen to this uh, but one thing we do in Yorkshire Mark is if we do if we rib you or take the mickey a little bit 
with stuff like this, it means we like you. So it's definitely a good thing that we're doing this. Um, it means yeah. you, you, you're accepted. You are one of us now. And it was good to see him buzzing, him and his family buzzing about the town fans singing his name, uh, Matt Rotherham's by Miami, and away at Rotherham and at home against Hull. So it's good to see uh, he's uh, settling in, which is good. And speaking of settling in, I think that's us settling in for this episode. Um, sorry, the, the original one got ransacked by my uh, idiocy, shall we say, but... It happens, and uh, thanks for joining in. And uh, we may be back for the Preston game after on on Twitter Spaces. To be honest, it just depends, really, doesn't it? If we get whacked or not. If we get absolutely walloped by Preston, there's no way I'm going on Spaces right after the game to talk about it. So, providing we don't get hammered, we probably should appear on on Tuesday night, and we'll we'll catch you all then. <laughs> There's a team that is dear to its followers The colours are bright, blue and white They're a team of renown They're the pride of the town And the game of football is their delight And all while upon the field of play Thousands loudly cheer them on the way Often you can hear them say Who can beat the town today? And then the bells will ring so merrily Every goal shall be a memory So town play up And bring that cup Back to Huddersfield So town play up And bring the cup Back to Huddersfield Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via McDelivery afterwards. Three points, not nugget share box, spot on. Order McDelivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.